Welcome to the Double Scoop Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Hutchings. Today you'll hear from Reno resident Rob Garrett. He holds many titles, husband, dad, veteran, and one label that he's progressively embracing, artist. And she goes, I want to meet the person who made those because these are not just giving away trophies, they're kind of art. And I was so, I, I met her and I was like, wow, nobody's ever said that. I'm not an artist. I don't even think of myself and I still don't really. It's hard to hear that word. We'll hear more from Rob as part of this special four-part series on art and mental health. He'll tell us how he uses art to help deal with his stress, to center himself, and to help put his mind where he wants it to go. Before we get started, if you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health, please reach out for support. I'm meeting Rob at the Reno Town Mall. It's an 80s-style shopping center adorned with wood paneling, ornate fountains, and even a library branch. One store, the expansive 20,000-square-foot Nevada Marketplace, is lined with aisles upon aisles of products from local vendors. Toward the back is an area called Rec Ignition, the art of Rob Garrett. So some of these other things in here are items that kind of just keep me busy, and uh, I have been selling them, and that's nice to pay for this booth. I was just stacking them up in my garage till the wife said, get the shit out of the house. So this is more storage, I guess, more of a, a way to show off. I thought I'd try, since it's so hard to get into galleries, maybe just try my own. Rob mostly builds sculptures from old, broken items, some of which he finds in the wild, Others are donated to him. A scythe and whiskey bottle lamp greets you when you enter his booth. For a friend of mine who um, was a pretty good drinker. Animal heads comprised of metal tools and organic antlers line the walls. And a chair made of old Chevy remnants and motorcycle gas tanks sits in the back. Rob says he likes to take things apart to see how they work and what else he can do with their parts. Putting them back together to how they originally were, though, is never on the menu. Many of his creations come from ideas that he draws up on the spot, and others have deeply meaningful origins, such as that whiskey bottle lamp. This is for a friend of mine who um, was a pretty good drinker. And so I kind of dedicated this lamp. You know, it's got, it's made out of a scythe and he died in an auto crash. And so I added the Jack Daniels, the death and the car crash together and and lit it up. It it hasn't sold. (laughs) Thank goodness. Across from the lamp stands a vastly different sculpture. A female figure donning a huge red and black hat that partly hides her gear eyes and red metal lips. She's clad in a red dress that exposes a bit of her leg, made of an old shock absorber, and her rib cage made of railroad ties. I wanted you to see this one piece I did. Um, it's a Katrina for the Day of the Dead. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, and I've always been fascinated with the Day of the Dead and how it kind of brings together the art. I mean, I love that art and how it celebrates and not mourns death. And when my mom passed away, I kind of want to do a dedication to her, a celebration of her life, her wonderful life. Rob says that cancer took his mom, but he found himself inspired by the way she handled her mortality. It was a great death because she had a chance to say goodbyes. She brought all of us in and we were just bawling, but she was very strong. She's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to go meet my mother. And these are some things. She gave me a great life. And so the way she just presented it strong and it was just, I, I see death differently now. And part of that new perspective is shown in his artwork, especially this Latin-inspired sculpture dedicated to his mother. 
but it is in that style. Uh, this is one of her old dresses. And again, just uh, items made out of materials at, at home. I learned how to stow by or sew by um, extending that dress a little bit there so it flows down. And then making this hat, I probably spent at least seven hours on this hat. It's actually eight feet in circumference around, but it doesn't look like it. This is how Rob has found that he deals with his emotions these days. He's been working on this piece since his mom passed two years ago and is still tinkering today. Making these dedications is something I'm sad about. It sure helped me out. Just kind of getting in there and every piece I'd put together, I'd think about her and what if she would like this or not like this. And uh, she was there and I still kind of believe that every time I look at this piece, I'm, I'm thinking of her, I'm looking at her. So I'm keeping her around. What Rob doesn't tell you when you walk into recognition is how art helps him cope with his depression and anxiety. Oh, it just puts me in a different place. I think that's the best thing. That other place, he says, can get pretty dark. Rob tells me that his brain can get hijacked by this anxiety, and that can lead him to fantastical imaginary scenarios, wherein he's hunting down a road rager on the highway or dreading that his wife and kids have been kidnapped. But focusing on making art helps. And it doesn't talk back to me. It doesn't give me grievances. It's just calming to me. It puts me in a good zone of just concentrate on the art because that's the only thing important to you this minute. And so I'll, I'll do that. And then after a while, my brain relaxes and gets back to normal. And I can, I can go back and I can talk about the guy that flipped me off and have nothing happen to me. You know, I don't get upset. It basically puts me in the now. We'll hear more about his process after this short break. This is the Double Scoop Podcast, and I'm Holly Hutchings. If Rob Garrett is in a situation where he can't actually start making something, then he'll plan it out in his head. And he does most of his best thinking in his garage studio where he can keep his hands busy building stuff and just being in the moment. This is my... Asylum. This is my my place to go to, and it's to treat my the way I've dealt with my anxiety is kind of three things really help it out. Uh, one is the coming in and taking things apart, just kind of figuring out how an engine worked. I don't care about putting it back together. In fact, I want to put it back different than it was. And that process is kind of a smooth, easygoing, no frustration thought process. Um, the second phase is uh, when I create, when I get those parts, I, my mentality is in a different place when I go to put things together. And then the third one is the recognition of other people liking something that I've made. All those things feel great, and I love that my anxiety. But the main thing that I really kind of focused my uh, mindfulness is, is the, the creative process. Rob says his three-step dance helps him reframe his anxious thoughts into something more positive and productive. For me, my anxieties exist when I just delve on the what-if situations. Things that happen to me, smallest little episode or smallest little event can trigger what if I did this, what if they did that, and the future, what I would say and what I should have said. It just I go crazy with all the things that are unreal. I, I would say probably 1%, hardly anything ever happens. Um, the things that I, I think about actually happen. So I know that it's unreal. 
real, but my mind wants to make, it wants to, I don't know if it's a defensive mechanism or whatever, but it wants to create something to protect me. And my mind is satisfied when I go and make something real, where I'm dealing with the now. That hyper-focus gets him out of a what-if mindset and into a what-now perspective. Making this physical object, whether it is abstract or looks like something, it's really not the issue. It's, it's making something out of nothing, something tangible, something real. Instead of the ghost things that go on in my head, my mind is focusing on the present. Art, he says, has saved him in some ways. And that is my biggest savior right there. Uh, the taking apart and the selling or, or getting critiques and all that kind of stuff with the art, that's a different type of mindset where it's just satisfying. And that's where kind of a, just, a, a, I don't want to say a Zen feel, but it's just, it's stopping and smelling the roses and just making me feel good. But when I have anxiety, when I'm going crazy about things that aren't going to happen or whatever, my fear of a bomb going off or the kids getting in trouble or the wife not coming home because she got kidnapped. I mean, I think about some stupid, crazy things that never happen and they're unreal. But it's making a physical product is what helps me out. Rob smells the roses more these days. That's because a few years ago, he suffered a heart attack that put his mortality into clear view. I had a quadruple, all, all four major arteries around the heart were, were clogged up from the um, uh, cholesterol. And when your doctor says that you need to get, lower your cholesterol, it's true. I had... Seen, I don't know what order they are, but one was uh, 97% blocked, 96% blocked was the other one, 93, and a 98. The doc said, I, I can't believe you're actually getting fluid through these things as, as you are today. Rob says doctors actually had to take veins from his leg to help in the procedure. He had about a three-month recovery ahead of him, so naturally, he used art to pass the time. I mean, I couldn't even move because they sliced my sternum in half. I, I, I couldn't even get out of bed, basically. So I spent a lot of time on the couch and enjoyed my ice cream. So the first thing I did was like, how do I represent this in art? Because I had a lot of time thinking on the couch, what would I do? That building part was going on. He shows me a piece that combines his use of repurposed metal with materials inspired from his own surgery. And I wanted a carburetor because that's the main function of an engine, really. I mean, without that carburetor, it just like the heart, it's complicated. It's got valves. It's got working all over the place. And since I had a bypass, I included all these little tubes and stuff that, that go around. And this is, this is kind of what my heart looks like now with all the extra little uh, veins from my legs sewn into place. And when this lights up, it's a bright, bright light. It's, it's shining. It's resistant. It, it made it. It's ugly, but it made it. I don't know if this is an omen, but I broke it <laughs> recently and it don't work. And I'm here to fix it again. So I, I, I hope that's not a, a forecast. Rob has made a second career out of making and selling his work these last few years after decades in the military. He joined the Air Force right out of high school in 1985 and later earned a degree in fine art from UNR. He started a business called Garrett's Picture Frame soon after graduating and maintained his status in the Nevada Air National Guard. But before he could do much with his degree came 9-11. The day after, Rob closed up shop on his picture frame business and enlisted full-time in the Air National Guard, 
committing his life to fighting the war on terror. Rob's military training has given him many things, including a keen situational awareness. You are trained to sit down in a restaurant with your back to the wall so that you can see, and you observe who's coming inside. Is it the middle of summer? Why is that guy wearing a long jacket? Is there a bulge in the jacket? What is his, what is his demeanor? You know, who is he with? So you're analyzing everything just for situational awareness. But that analysis is now showing up as something else. Anxiety. With that said, there also was some events that happened to me in, uh, while I was deployed that uh, kind of got to me. Uh, but I, I got to say, I could handle those things. It was the stress of the daily barrage of expectations. And I didn't see combat. I was lucky about that. So I never got a traumatic head injury. Um, so there are not really the normal associations. Uh, we did a lot of angel flights where we transported uh, the guys who did see combat and didn't make it through. We had to get them home and carrying those cold caskets in the middle of the desert. And all you're thinking about is how cool that casket feels. And you don't think about the soldier that's inside. That got with me a little bit. Um, situations like that. was another event in Reno that would ultimately help chart the course for the rest of Rob's life. We'll hear more about that after this break. You're listening to the Double Scoop Podcast. My guest today is Reno native Rob Garrett, who uses his art as personal therapy and believes that art heals war wounds. A few years back when nearing military retirement, Rob was working at a car show in Reno where he had crafted these trophies for the winners. His hodgepodge crafty creations caught the eye of one guest, Tina Draculich, co-founder of the David J. Draculich Foundation. I was doing a car show out at the Air Guard, and I was too cheap to make trophies, and so I, was, I made a couple of trophies for the show, and... Um, they were out on display, and Tina happened to be there because uh, she still has a contact or connection with the veterans or with the Air Guard. Um, they, they always want those Gold Star moms to come down and, and kind of do things. And Anyway, she was on base, and she saw those uh, the trophies, and she goes, those are – I want to meet the person who made those because these are not just giving away trophies. They're, they're kind of art. And I was so – I, I met her and I was like, wow, nobody's ever said that. I'm not an artist. I don't even think of myself and I still don't really. It's hard to hear that word. But um, so I said, if you think that's kind of fun, come see my office. So Rob took Tina, an artist herself who's dedicated to helping veterans and their families heal through art, to his office a couple blocks away. You know, my desk had uh, a Jeep front end. It, it was just stuff like that. The, the Wayne's coating was rollers I took from the warehouse, rusty rollers. And so it was just all these vertical lines. And she was like, oh, this is, she had a great time. And so we made a connection there. And then when I retired, she says, you got to come, come in with this veterans group and do some, uh, uh, do this tradition of paper making. When he retired from the military, he became more involved in the foundation and is currently a board member and their treasurer. About this time that he met Tina, Rob says he was feeling inspired to start sharing his work more with the public. 
She also, at that point, um, just wanted to do a display of my work. She goes, you're, and she was encouraging me this whole time to get out there and well, to get out there and make some things and not really worry about uh, me leaving that life I'd known for 34 years. She helped me transition. I guess that's the best word is to transition into my next level of life. And I was so appreciative of her and her foundation. Uh, I eventually became a board member of the foundation and I've been on there for about three years now. In general, um, it, 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 it's, I can't say it's art therapy because Nevada doesn't really recognize art therapists. So we can't call ourselves that, but we can instruct on art. And it's, it's about just getting together. And as they create these arts, they're talking about their experiences in the military. So sometimes you get deep. Sometimes you get embarrassing. Sometimes you get, I can't believe I did that. Good stories all over the place. But it, it's, it's a place to kind of talk about things. It, it's pretty good. We're kind of a, I don't want to say new because she has been doing it for about 10 years. But we're on our way up. I guess you could say we're uh, getting it's a good community that I think we're part of with the arts group in this town. You never know what kind of roads are going to cross. And that one just happened to be the best road uh, crossing I came across. I think I can comfortably call myself an artist now, but it took me so long to even just hear that my name associated with it. But without her inspiration, without the Draculich's uh, as a foundation, um, give me a little push, a little bit of hope. I mean, that was just it. It was just uh, the pat on the back, the holding my hands, the getting me going. Otherwise, I, I don't think I would be coping with my issues as well. I don't think I would be producing any of this. Um, I would definitely, I don't know, find some, I would have found something else. I probably would have buried myself in another career, probably. And I don't want to do that. My kids are growing up. I'm missing them as it is. I visited with Tina at the foundation's home base at Art Tech in Reno. Tina's a founding member, starting the foundation after losing her son David, a U.S. Army Ranger, in Afghanistan in 2008. David had served three deployments and earned a Bronze Star. He was also a talented artist. Tina believes that through her experience with grief and war-related trauma that she's developed and clung to two understandings. First, art heals, and second, generosity protects one's mental health. Time well spent is a good thing, especially for survivors of trauma. So uh, trauma will give anxiety, and when you are traumatized, you oftentimes do have those... um, cataclysmic thoughts that run through your head and they don't feel like they're in control so when you when you do art it helps because it is time well spent first of all it's going to be an occupation that will help your mind be focused and not allow it to be on its own random playlist Um, but also when you are engaging in creative works your right brain kicks in And that one is the one that doesn't have those thoughts. It is the one that wants to be open and creative. And so if you are busy in your left brain doing, say, accounting or organizing things, and that's what you do all day long, um, you're going to have less control over those random thought playlists that come out. And so, and I've had many, I have had many people tell me that um, this is helping me keep my mind off of my illnesses that are related to my service or 
it helps me just get through the day. It gives me goals. It gives me things to look forward to. Draculich says that art can't fix everything, though. There's also another component. I have one guy that's so much of an artist, he actually wound up not really needing more art, but needing a physical outlet because you, you need both in your life. And when you have both in your life, it does help. She says it takes a careful approach with veterans, though. Because of her experience with her own grief, she knows when it's a good time to push or a good time to rest. There have been a couple of retreats. Like, I'm retreating because those memories I don't want to let out. I don't want, I want them repressed. We've actually had a couple of conscious decisions to not pursue any further. And that's understandable. Um, and I think that that's one of those things, you know, um, you just, that's part of your your journey in your own life is, you know, how much healing do you want and need and how much, how functional are you now? Is it good enough? If it's good enough, keep going. And then if you hit that moment again where it's like, oh my God, I need help. We're still going to be here apparently. <laughs> This is personal for Tina, who she herself has a personal connection to the subject of art and mental health. Um, Anxiety happens to me when I need to express myself. So I have learned that I have got some very deep um, traumas that need to come out and be looked at from time to time. And uh, they let themselves be known through anxiety. And so I have found that if I take the, that opportunity, if I notice, and, and instead of running on anxiety, which I can do, uh, but usually my partner over here lets me know right away it's not cool and it's noticeable, uh, then what I do about that is I uh, organize time for myself to be doing art, and then I also spend some time meditating. And when I'm doing that, I'm asking what it is that needs to be expressed. And I get the most amazing answers from time to time. And then usually what I do is I just jot those down in a journal. And then I go about my business. And I, I so that's basically acknowledging to that part of me that's experiencing that trigger of trauma or memories or whatever it is I'm honoring that part of me saying you do exist and I want to honor you so I'm going to write this this vision down and I will make that artwork I will do it right now I got to go wash the dishes and when I get done and I head over to the studio then you know I can get started with it and that has been pretty important for me by honoring past traumas and experiences this way, Tina says it can help you actually focus and process a lot of what's going on in your creative project. I don't get to be in the studio every day. I get to come about three times a week. And if I don't have a to-do list, I can get lost here. So I bring my journal with me and I look and go, okay, so it's time for me to do this project. So I'm going to do it now. So then it's not just acknowledging, but it's also uh, that accountability piece that says that, yeah, I value myself and my experiences enough to put this on from what's inside that no one else can see to what's out here that others can see. She says when that voice of anxiety crops up, 
It's important to listen to it, at least to see just how loud it is. At night when the voice won't shush, that's where, that's where it is. It's like, oh, okay, so how much anxiety did I have today? Okay, so there's the voice, and it's still not shushing. I see I've had anxiety. So I do this thing about looking at everything the voice is saying and asking, you know, is that more important than sleep or not? And how important is it? Do I need to do art about it, or can I just, you know, can I just let it go? And so we go through, me, myself, and that voice in my head go through, a, maybe it could be, if I drink coffee in the afternoon, it could be a long time. <laughs> could be hours of doing that. But in most cases, it's like 15 minutes. And then I wake up in the morning with like a vision of what that art project's got to be. Because at the end of the day, she says art should be about the human experience. You know, here in America, when everything's commercialized then an artist becomes commercialized and then it's not what it's supposed to be anymore it's commercial art art that you buy art that's an investment and what art really is supposed to be is this thing that makes us human and it's this thing that helps our humanity be better every day because it's that deeper expression of what you're seeing that shows other people something that they might see that might help them. And it isn't about becoming a famous artist or being a successful, it might be about, it could be, but it doesn't have to be. It can just be your art practice. Like you have a laundry practice, you have a hygiene practice, you can have an art practice that is part of your life, that enhances your life, but it also makes the world a better place for everyone around you. Thank you to Rob Garrett for his time and vulnerability sharing his story. Thank you also to Tina Draculich for her contributions and time. You can see Rob's work at the Reno Town Mall or at Mikano in Midtown Reno. Rob will also be one of the four artists in the exhibition titled I'm Okay, I'm Not Okay, along with the other podcast guests from this season. You can find that at UNR from July 8th through August 5th. You've been listening to episode 22 of the Double Scoop podcast. This episode was researched, written, and produced by me, Holly Hutchings, with script editing by Noah Glick. Our theme music comes from Reno singer-songwriter Greg Gilmore. It's a clip from his song, Who Am I? Other music in this episode comes from the artist Young Trashboat. This episode is part of a special four-part series on art and mental health. It was made possible by a grant from Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can find more episodes of the Double Scoop podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or at doublescoop.art. That's doublescoop.art. I'm Holly Hutchings. Thank you for listening. Well, on and on it goes, like the wild wind.